Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for joining us on The Great Exchange, a podcast dedicated to looking at the world through gospel glasses. My name is Matthew David Halleck, and across the table from me, Nick Paul Semenowich. How you doing, Mango Bango? I <laughs> it's still Mango Bango. Yeah. I'm doing not too bad. How about you? Good, man. Yeah, doing doing well. Um, you know, just had had a past uh, weekend where um, the CCPR team from Manitoba, along with some of our colleagues across the country, um, the pro life guys, uh, we did a crash course in Manitoba. Yeah, and I you saw did some, some sweet yeah. uh, sweet uh, designs for it, um, and the shirts turned out really well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting mine. Yeah, I know. Whatever if, that I might forgot be. It. I forgot it upstairs in my office. I meant to bring it, but I left it up there. <laughs> Darn, yeah. But yeah. you definitely deserve it. It looks pretty slick. You could wear it with your diversified metal recycling. It would go well. Wayne's it's, your man. <laughs> yeah. I believe that's what you said. <laughs> yeah, right, so. whatever. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I am I was really excited about it. We had, we had a good amount of participation, like um, 30 people sign up, probably like uh, – 20 or more like actually show up for for the the weekend crash course and yeah we 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 learned a lot i think we had some wonderful breakout rooms like a lot of good participation by the attendees um yeah so let us know you can go to the end of the killing.ca and you can just uh click on the take action um uh, link there and if you ever want to par- partake in a crash course we are doing some online ones i'm not sure if we have any coming up um, as an organization or if you're just ever interested in getting your church involved in in learning how to how to how to be effective pro-life ambassadors and educators um, that's kind of why we exist and it was a lot of fun a lot of we, we saw some familiar faces some some people from from our church turned up and it was really good it was really beneficial um, I know a lot of people said they learned a lot and we, we, we got to have some good times together too so Unfortunately, it's not really how we wanted to do it in, you know, a, a, online as it were. Yeah. But um, with the current state of restrictions in Manitoba and everything, that's uh, that's the way way things go. But um, nevertheless, it was it was a good time. Uh, how, how have things been for you, my friend? Well, we did uh, this past week. There was, as you said, like not the ideal with all the COVID restrictions and everything else going on. But we did have a online funeral for my grandma. Oh which, which yeah, was, that's yeah. it's 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 like you could be there if you're one of ten people, and you didn't make the cut, eh? Well, there was it was like two two groups. So the first okay. group uh, was like my my mom and my aunts. Uh, they spoke, and you could watch that all online. But if you were part of the second group, which I would have been a part of, which would have been the gr- grandchildren, okay, uh, you would have to listen to or watch the first half from your car. Okay. So you would have missed it all anyways, and then you would have had an opportunity to speak or reflect on something about our grandma mm. at that point in time. Yeah. So I wasn't able to make it anyways. Certainly not ideal. No, certainly not ideal. I wasn't able to make it. There's a lot of stuff happening around the home here with construction crews showing up and everything, and yeah. I was the only one home, so I had to be here for that. Um, so unfortunately that happened, but at the same time, I was able to write something and give that to my cousin to speak at the funeral as well, which was nice to hear, you know, a lot of people's memories brought yeah. forward yeah. as well. So totally. that was, it was nice. You you can really tell uh, at the same time, you know, there's a lot of poor understanding of the makeup of a human being and what happens to them after death. Uh, like again, like a lot of this, well, Heaven's received another angel sort of thing as well. Yeah. And all that other stuff. And Sorry, we don't become angels. We don't. And it's we're like... actually in the, in the hierarchy of yeah. God's kingdom. We're actually above the heavenly house. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's interesting, you know, you, you when death happens and you get to see, hear people's perspective on things, you can see where, mm. you know, they had a lot of hope here on earth for certain aspects and relationships and stuff in that where they don't know what to do. They're kind of lost and that, you know not sure how to approach life and everything without specific people anymore. But there's also, if you know the person who passed on, you know what, where their faith was and the hope that they had, you actually have great joy knowing that they truly are in a better place now. They're actually with the Lord. Yeah. And that was the case for my grandma, which was mm-hmm. very good. And 
I'm, I'm very joyful about that. It's 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 like a bittersweet sort of thing. Yeah, and I, I know uh, I know my mom, who's good friends with your mom, um, has re- like she said, you know, just talking to your mom, she was like really impressed with like that that she was filled with joy and obviously mourning and sadness and sorrow, but more joy and excitement given the fact that ultimately she knows her destination and, and, yeah. and the outcome of all of that um, and how, how much peace that brings. Right. We, we, d- we mourn, but not as, as those the, without hope. Right. So yeah. we still mourn. Yeah. It's still a reality. We mourn um, sin and death. Right. It is the outcome of sin. Um, but we, we, we celebrate the victory that all those who in Christ have over sin and death as well. Exactly. And that's the thing that, you know, I've talked to some people and they're like, well, it's still sorrowful. I'm like, yeah, it is sorrowful, but there's a great joy that we have knowing that we have any, a home prepared for us. Yeah. And that is where you have to have that eternal perspective, right? Mm-hmm. If you just focus on this life to the extent where you forget about the eternal realities, you do get bogged down and you do get fearful and afraid and yeah. doubtful and sorrowful to the point where you're unable to carry out your normal life. But if mm-hmm. you have that right perspective on life, you can look at this awful situation of death encroaching upon the human life again because of... Adam and Eve falling into sin and now we're all mm-hmm. the recipients of death but we see that in Christ we have victory over the grave yeah so it's not truly we're not dying and that's it mm-hmm. the grave isn't just the end of our existence it's it's a gateway to another existence yeah. an eternal existence which we get a foretaste of here and now so it's like yeah this is wonderful and for the believer this is great joy that we get a foretaste of heaven now with mm-hmm. the receiving of the Holy Spirit and a new life. For the unbeliever, it's not so joyful. No. And that's something that, uh, you know, I made sure when I wrote for this this uh, this funeral service as well, I made sure that that's the perspective, right? We can really focus on the person or we can focus on the person that that person was focused on, mm-hmm. which was Christ yeah, and that reality. So Yeah, totally. So hopefully... The Hopefully. Lord uses Yeah, yeah, that that's that's good, man. It's good to reflect on that. It's good to I was really blessed by my grandfather's funeral um years ago now, like probably probably close to 5 years ago. Um and the like it was the best funeral I've ever been a part of because it was all Christ-centered. Like everything yeah. was pointing away from my grandfather to Christ. Um you know, highlighting the fact that my grandfather was a fallen, broken man with a lot of falls uh, or like f- a lot of foibles, a lot of, a lot of bad things about him, but that he had a good and gracious savior. Yeah. And we know that that's, that that's this amazing gospel that we have, right? That, that the, the just fruits of sin, the, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, right? Yeah. And that's that's what Romans, Romans 6.23, that's what that tells us, and that's the beautiful hope that we have. What we've earned for ourselves by our works yeah. is death. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the free gift that God gives us through Christ, his son, is eternal life and that exactly, great hope yeah. that comes from that. And that's why even in this most terrible of circumstances, we don't mourn as those without hope. So exactly, and yeah. that's important to keep in mind, especially during the craziness of this COVID nineteen pandemic and all that's going on. That we have that eternal hope. Uh, that we got to count the cost and die well. That's what uh, Christians are known for, and uh, that's hopefully uh, a design that we're going to come out with uh, very shortly with yeah. with some of our merch. But if, you, if you've been paying attention to our Instagram and Facebook accounts, you'll see that there's been some designs that have come out. And first thing we're going to have is some bookmarks. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. going to be exciting. And then hopefully we're going to be able to transition into some, not transition, but add to that yeah. with some clothing and then maybe some drinkware, yes, et cetera, exactly. et cetera. Yeah, trying to create some cool merchandise and some goodies for you all. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. Um, Nick, quickly, could you take us into what we're doing for the giveaway for the month of May? 
Um, and then we can press forward in what we've come here to do this day, which is to go through the Holy Scriptures, um, specifically continue our walk through the book of Genesis. Yeah, so in regards to the giveaway, we have been announcing that we're giving away a mystery box or a mystery gift. Uh, So if you want to be entered in to win that, head over to Instagram or Facebook, find our Friday giveaway post from this month, uh, and com- like that com- or post and then comment on it with the word Mysterion and that'll get you a single entry into win. Do that often. Like the post, but please also share it. We want more people to be aware of the podcast as well and this wonderful resource giveaway. It's open till the end of the month, so be sure to get in and do that. There's been a lot of people that have been starting to do that. So if you've already ins- entered in and you want to have a greater chance, get back on there, do it a couple more times. That'll definitely help you out. Uh, so again, Facebook, Instagram, find the giveaway post, like it and comment on it, and that will get you entered into win. And now transitioning into what we're here for, as you mentioned, doing the mm-hmm. Bible study. Uh, last week, we covered all of Genesis 25. Uh, we were looking at after the death of Rebecca and also, or sorry, not Re- Rebecca, the death of Sarah. Sorry, I got way too ahead of myself there. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> oh, just a little bit, yeah. So uh, anyway, so death of Sarah. Also now Isaac getting a wife in Rebecca. That's how I was getting in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see how Abraham continued on his life uh, and then his death. And then we saw that in Isaac, we saw that he had a child through Rebecca, but actually two children. It was twins in the womb. Mm-hmm. And it was Jacob and Esau. And we saw that in that there was this story given about how there's two nations within her womb fighting and culminated in the story of Esau selling his birthright, really showing that he had no regard for the covenant promises of God and that he was willing to forsake all for his own personal temporal interest. And that kind of gets us where we're at to today. Yeah, it brings us into really this account of God extending the covenant promise explicitly to Isaac as the promised heir um, to the covenant of that, that God cut with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. Um, and there's so many parallels between what happens in this 26th chapter to what has come before it in the book of Genesis. So we will see that as we get into it. But let us start by reading through through the first five verses. Um, We'll comment on it, and then we'll continue on section by section. Now there was a famine in the land beside the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Yeah, so we see here right at the beginning of the chapter, God putting Isaac through a similar sort of trial, uh, a physical one. And that's the same thing that Abraham went through when there was a famine in the land, when he came out of the land of the Chaldeans, the Ur of the Chaldeans. And we see that Abraham in that test was allowed to go down to Egypt, but we see in this test to Isaac, God explicitly tells him not to go down. And I think that's partly because we see in Isaac that he is the son of promise, and now he's been given the land of promise. So because of that, God is telling him to stay in the land which is given to you, right? So in the addition of the promises that are being bestowed, there becomes additional responsibilities to that as well. So we see Isaac here told not to go down, even though there's a famine, even though it's difficult right now, don't abandon ship, Mm -hmm. right? And that's a hard lesson to learn because when things go really tough, 
it's easy to say, I'm out of here. I don't want to have to deal with this. I'm out. I'm going to, yeah, I mean, you can think about your own personal relationships sometimes. Mm. Like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to go cool, cool my jets, go take a walk. I remember talking to a friend about that when he first got married. He was like, this is tough. I'm just taking a walk. I got to get out of here. And then he's like, no, that was the wrong thing for me to do for so long. I actually said, you know, this is, this isn't right. We're having an argument. We got to can actually deal with this right now before we go on. That's kind of an aside thing, but we can kind of see in the same sort of thing when the stress comes, there's that desire to flee. And that's what we see in Isaac here. He has the desire to flee to a more prosperous land, a land where he can dwell securely. Mm -hmm. But God says, no, I need you to trust me that I'm going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Even though you see, again, the difficulty that we saw in Abraham was he looked and he saw it was difficult, so he always did the easy route. But here we see Isaac doing the same thing, and God says, no, don't do that. Don't choose the easy way out. Choose the hard way, the obedient way, because in it, I will bless you. Yeah, and I'll be with you, too. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the promise that he gives it to you. I'm with you in this hard time and I will bless you. And then he really explicitly extends almost verbatim that promise that he's given to Abraham to um, through that godly line establish um, a great multitude of descendants. Um, We know and we've talked about it over and over again, that they're descendants by faith. Yeah. Not by flesh because what did we talk about last time? Well, there's all these different descendants of Abraham through illegitimate or uh, <laughs> means or with not through Sarah and not through Isaac that though are their physical descendants of Abraham, they're not accounted as part of the godly line of Abraham. So yeah. that's really important for, for us to continue to understand Um so, again, just like Abraham, like father, like son, uh, he's called to this land and he's called to sojourn in this land of promise. And, again, he, um, God, he re-ups the fact that this is the land in which you are to d- dwell and I'm going to bless you for your father's sake and all those after him uh, for being faithful and though it's a difficult time we also see that in in the account um of this famine earlier in uh in the account with abraham in in chapters 12 and and 13 um and then 21 and 21 following that or 20 and 21 pardon me when Abraham took his eyes off the prize, off the promise of God, he got himself into really bad situations as well. So um, it's important that we're seeing here, like that progression in it. And God saying, no, 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 don't do as Abraham did. (laughs) That only got him into hot water. Um, Stay here. This is the land that you've been given. This is the land in which you are to dwell and I'll be with you in that. And I think that's a great promise, right? That's that's the, the where we put our faith and our trust and our hope is in the fact that though we might be assailed from all sides, from many different enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, that in that, uh, though we're sojourners on this earth, that God is with us and he's yeah. ever-present help in times of need. Yeah, that's a big point here, especially for... I mean, we've talked about this. The book of Genesis is written especially for the Israelites who are exiting out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And they need to know that in this, when God says, I will be with you, I will bless you, I will establish you, I will multiply, I will give. God is the one who says, just trust me. I'm going to be doing all these things for you. I will be with you if you obey me, right? So... There's this correlation. Isaac already is God's chosen seed, right? Mm -hmm. So we see that in that, there's this continuing aspect, right? We know that in the life of one of God's people, there isn't just, you're just set apart and now it doesn't matter what you do. There's Mm -hmm. this call to steadfast obedience, resting 
in the promises of God. So God gives to Isaac the promises once again. And he says, obey me, right? Mm -hmm. Dwell in this land. This is the land I want you to stay in right now. And what does he do? He stays there, right? Because he's being obedient to the word of God. He's trusting that God will be all these things and do all these things that he's called him to do. Mm -hmm. So that's important that we recognize the same thing for our own life as well. God has called us not just to trust in him for our salvation, but to also obey him in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. Resting in the promises of God, knowing that, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, we count the cost and we die well, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what we're truly called to do. We know the promises of God if we're reading scripture and we're being told them from the pulpits on Sunday. We know the promises of God and now we trust them and live in light of them obediently, steadfastly to the very end. Yeah, certainly. And that's exactly what Isaac did here. He obeyed the Lord and he settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebecca, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So, so once again, we see a parallel circumstance, just as we saw God re-upping the covenant with Isaac in the first five verses, extending the Abrahamic covenant through him explicitly, and just as we saw that he's in the same situation with a famine and wanting to depart to Egypt, we see in the same situation, though he stayed in the land, the people around them inquired of his wife. And just as his father, like father, like son, mm -hmm. um, this, this, this narrative of deception and peril that took place between Abraham and Abimelech and Sarah and the other rulers that he lied to takes place now here with Isaac and Rebecca. And in lying, um, he you know, puts his wife in danger as it were again. Um, and again, puts, puts this continued seed, this line, this lineage in, in a little bit of danger as well. But we see here in the story that unlike his father and Abimelech before him, where he in a dream came to understand that he was a wife, it, it just happened through ordinary providence this time that in witnessing them playing together, laughing together, right? That's kind of how the Hebrew term can be uh, be understood and, and interpreted. Um, he he comes to the realization: Whoa, they're more than just brother and sister. Like there's a love and an intimacy between them that goes far beyond that. And then once again, Abimelech says, "How could you have done this? Yeah. Why would you put your wife in danger?" Why would you put us in danger by possibly laying with her when she is your wife? But then out of this, despite all of that, we see what happens again. For the sake of Abraham and Isaac and, and Rebecca and for, for their prosperity because they are linked to the covenant of God and Abimelech understands that, he blesses them richly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we see in this text here that him bringing that or coming to that realization through the province of God that this is another man's wife, he issues that decree that no one touches this man or his wife lest they be put to death. So in this, even though Isaac should not have lied about the identity of Rebekah, 
he was so fearful for his own life again, just like Abraham was. He was so concerned about his own life, he was willing to sacrifice her for his longevity, which is a very bad mentality to have, especially in light of just hearing all the promises of God, that God would be with him and bless him and prosper him. So again, we see that even in the face of God's promises, there's still, because of indwelling sin, that tendency to doubt God at his word and act contrary to it. <laughs> the difference between those who are hardened sinners and continue in that way is that in this now, Isaac doesn't continue to live in that way, but he repents of that sin by admitting, no, she's actually my wife, and I should not have done that. And now, again, God continues to bless him as he now lives obediently. And we see that in verses 12 through 22. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and just like his father before him, like father, like son, that's the theme of, of really this chapter. Um, and Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. That is quite significant. <laughs> the harvest. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father, father's servant had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So God's blessed them so richly and abundantly that the Philistines who are well established in the land are fearing the might and the blessings of the Lord that have come upon Abraham's son of promise, Isaac. Yeah. And it really shows that Abimelech is understanding that even though God has blessed Isaac in this way and Abimelech said, okay, nobody's going to touch this man or his wife. He's kind of put up a hedge of security around him. And now he sees, Oh, wait, he's prospering. He, he's taken away from our profit because he's a sojourner in the land. He's, he doesn't actually own any land here. He's taken away from us. So that bit of s security for them has now turned into envy. And Abimelech can do nothing about it. So he says, you better get out of here. Yeah. And, and how, how much does that parallel with the Exodus account? Yeah. And what happens, right? God's people go to the land of the sojourning at the end of Genesis. We'll see that eventually yeah. <laughs> when we get there. And then they're in the land of their sojourning in Egypt. They're mightily blessed. God makes them fruitful. Their might increases so much so that then the wicked Egypt Egyptians pharaohs look at them and they say, well, we've got to do something about these people because they're foreigners in our land and they're more mighty than we are. You yeah. know, yeah. they're taking over. Um, so we see that kind of same idea, same narrative kind of play out here. And in that, it's such a great testimony for those people who are coming out of Egypt. Once again, that if God promises to bless you, he does. And he'll take care of you as well. So even though Isaac is richly blessed here and he's forced out of the land, we see that God is still going to provide for him. Just like for the Egypt or the Israelites, right? They're going to be taken out of the land of Egypt, but even in the Exodus, they're well taken care of. Yeah, God will be with you. And we see that transpire here, right? Verse 17. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because, the, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called the name Sitna, and he uh, and he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not qual quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. So 
everywhere he's going in his sojourning, they're they're hitting these wells. They're finding well springs of water that that it is the means of their sustenance and and their life in this sense. Um, although it keeps causing these this turmoil between the others uh, herdsmen in the land, but then finally they get to Rehoboth and. Um, they, 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 they're finally at peace, rested, um, at this well. And they praise God that he's now made room within this promised land for them to settle. Yeah. And there's also something really cool, maybe not so cool, but important that I think we kind of mentioned just in passing here as well. It's interesting that all these wells that are dug by Abraham's servants, we see that a treaty was made by you know, the Abimelech that was around when Abraham was there, not to quarrel or take these wells because they were Abraham's. He dug them. They were rightfully his possession. Mm -hmm. And there was a covenant made between Abimelech and Abraham. But we see how flimsy the word of man is Mm -hmm. because as soon as Abraham is out of the picture, what do the servants of the next Abimelech or that same Abimelech do? They fill them all in. They're not going to be his possession or his offspring's possession anymore. And we see now in this uh, part of the storyline here, we see that Isaac's servants are going and digging up all these wells which Abraham's servants had dug up. And it doesn't matter about the treaty that was made. Again, because the word of men mean nothing. Because men will turn their back on their words time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. But we see one thing consistent in this story here is that God's word, if he has given it, will surely come to pass. Man's word in comparison never comes to pass because men are sinful and they only have their own desires in mind. Yeah, yeah, they forgot this treaty with the father, so which is conveniently re- forgot. Yeah. Well, so that's reminiscent if we're keeping in mind what is the book written to these exiled Israelites. Well, what happened in the narrative leading to the Exodus? Well, yeah. Joseph was established in the land, mighty, a ruler with many great possessions. Yeah. And then it was the Pharaoh. The next Pharaoh. That forgot yeah. <laughs> and therefore punished his people, his descendants, which at one time had favor in the sight of, of the ruler, in the sight of the king. So, yeah, there's, I mean, this account, God's blessing Isaac wherever he's going, again, um, part of the Abrahamic covenant, the blessings that he's given to his father, but it's it's creating these rivalries and these quarrels within the land. But God again is is promising him that in all of this, I'll be with you, um, and we see that happen in verse twenty three here. For there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said. I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offsprings for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Yeah. So we see in this aspect here again, we see Isaac's removed from the place where he was dwelling, the land where God was blessing him. And he might be thinking here, well, I've been taken out of a land where I was living and it was fine. It was fine. I was Mm -hmm. prospering. God was blessing me. And now I'm out of the land where I was prospering. Okay, we found a well. We can live here. But is God still with me? Like he said to stay in this land. Now I'm out of this land. Like what's going on here? And God once again reminds him, no, I am with you. Mm -hmm. I am your God. I will bless you. Just like for the Israelites, right? It's almost, this is like a little encapsulated memory for the Israelites. Mm -hmm. Go look at the life of Isaac. Yeah. Look at the situation that he was in. Isn't not similar to yours? Aren't you you seeing this as a, you know, from the lesser to the greater, right? Because we're looking at one man and a small family and maybe a couple servants to now a great multitude of people. And that's but he's done all- it for Abraham. He's done it for Isaac. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great way that we can look at the promises of God. We can see that it starts small, but it ends up large. And mm-hmm. what starts for, you look at Christ for 12 disciples, really technically 11 disciples, mm-hmm. 
ends up going to 500, up to 5,000, and now around the world. And right? that's how the kingdom of God is built in yeah. history, right? Yeah. It's that mustard seed to the large tree, the, the stone out of the, the side of a mountain that turns into a, a gigantic mountain that crushes all the other nations. You know, like that's, yeah. th- that, that's partly what the Israel, like the Jews of Christ's day got wrong, right? They thought he was immediately bringing the kingdom of God to earth in his incarnation. And they didn't understand the seed principle that he's pointed to over and over again in his parables and that we see reflected throughout the scriptures, right? That's how God builds the kingdom of God. And it's super important that you bring that up too because you look at the first century Christians and it wasn't like everybody that was of Jewish uh, religion. That was part of it Mm -hmm. because it wasn't for everybody because not everybody understood it. Not everybody was part of God's remnant, his elect. So though there was a vast multitude who were familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, the Torah, they were not familiar with the God of those scriptures, even though they said it. So we see here in this instance, God appearing to Isaac. So we see that familiar relationship there. We see that he's intimate and close with him so that he can be resting assured that God truly is with him. God isn't just speaking from heaven and saying, I'm with you, don't worry about it. And 20 years later, maybe I'll come and speak to you again. Mm -hmm. This is, no, I'm with you. I'm with you here. I'm with you when you're concerned about this famine. I'm with you when you're concerned about where you're going to dwell. Every aspect of your life, God is intimately acquainted with you and he is intimately taking care of you, making sure that you know that he is your God and you are his people. Yeah, again, just reinstituting underscoring once again that the theme of the the theme of the continued abrahamic covenant the continued promises of god going to his godly descendants through faith right we see that again and it's important for us to understand well where do we understand uh like why is beersheba important well we see that beersheba in in genesis 21 when we were covering that in Abraham, um, we see that this was the original site of the non-aggression pact between Abraham and the Philistines. And just like father, also like son, because what do we see here in verses 26 and following? When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor, and Fecal, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good, and have sent you away in peace." You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. In the morning they arose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, We have found water. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Yeah, I find it interesting when you look at this passage only because there is not, or sorry, not only because there is that similarity between Abimelech and Abraham in the same way. But we see also here that in this treaty, this pact that uh, Abimelech and his advisor and the commander of his army go out to meet with Isaac, we see that they're only trying to seek safety from Isaac, not from the Lord of Isaac, right? Mm -hmm. They're only looking for, again, that temporary protection just to make sure that Isaac doesn't come after them. But they're forgetting that Isaac is serving a God who could easily destroy them in a moment. 
And they have no concern over that. They're only concerned about their temporal blessings, right? The, the general blessings of God. So they're keeping away from God by only talking to the man of God. But in reality, all they're doing is just heaping greater coals of judgment upon themselves because they're not going past Isaac to the God that Isaac serves. They say, we know that you are blessed of the Lord. Mm. So we just want to make sure that you don't harm us. Yeah. It's like, well, shouldn't you, if you know that I'm blessed by the Lord and you know that you're not, and you know that this means that you're under the judgment of God, don't you want to get to know this God? Don't you want to know that if there's a way for you to be reconciled to this God? No, we just want to make sure that you don't harm us, that we're okay, that we can keep our comforts here. And that's the case time and time and time and time again throughout history. We see people wanting to keep their comforts, wanting to make good bedfellows with Christians, but not with the God of the Christians. Yeah, exactly. Yet they're swearing oaths in his name. So <laughs> that's something that you have to be very weary of. Yeah. Um, Christ tells us that. <laughs> uh, and as part of not taking the Lord's name in vain, right? Not taking upon yourself the Lord's name uh, and not fulfilling um, what your your the oaths that you've taken on yeah um because if you take those oaths and then you fail to fulfill them mm -hmm. it's a greater judgment placed upon you yeah yeah they're binding they're binding and we see that i mean they're cutting this covenant that this is the second generation right it just tension <laughs> has has arisen just one generation after this initial covenant between Abraham and Abimelech, which is likely the grandfather of or father of this Abimelech, right? It could have also been a title rather than actually yeah. a man's name. Same with the fecal, right? Fecal seems to appear to be the, the name for the Philistines army commander rather than just a personal name um like but chief captain right exactly exactly captain so, america so lest we you know get too confused that's good to sort that out as well yeah but yeah i mean these covenants that that are being uh made in the name of the lord um are very very important but what do you see here you see they make peace together. They feast together. There's a feast that comes along with cutting covenants, right? We know that in the New Testament that the Lord's Supper is that new covenant instituted by Christ for our benefit. It's that that precursor feast um, to the, the, the heavenly banquet feast. We know that with God's covenant and, and peace between these these parties, there comes a feast, a festal gathering mm -hmm. um, together, um, which which is in itself a show of of, of peace and harmony and shalom and uh, putting setting aside arms and you know that that's obviously prefiguring the fact that though we were at enmity with God, though we hated Him, though we um, were were citizens of the 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 kingdom of man, the kingdom of Satan. We've now been transformed as new citizens into mm -hmm. his covenant community, into his um, kingdom of God. We now feast with him in peace with him. So that's what this is all prefiguring. That's what, what this is all showing us. We're, we're seeing a lot of, uh, <laughs> we're getting a lot of understanding of how covenants and treaties were made during that day, which then uh, tells us a lot about, exactly what God's doing in the institution of his covenants with uh, believers as well. So I think that's beautiful. It's good to see them feast in, in peace and stuff like that. But it is, as you made mention, you know, this kind of uh, pact where um, they're making it not because they want to be in covenant with God, but that they want to be at peace with those whom they understand that God is blessing. Mm -hmm. They would hate to be on the wrong ends, end of that equation. But again, they're not doing it to honor and love and praise the God in whom Isaac has put his trust. They're doing it for the earthly uh, 
goodies and the benefits that they get, yeah. which is not <laughs> not w- what we should be doing, right? Worshiping and, and praising and honoring and obeying God is an end in itself. It's the chief end of man. Um, does it come with blessings? Well, yes. Ask Isaac. Ask yeah. Abraham. Ask many of the patriarchs. It certainly does. But those blessings are a result of the root that faith rooted in God, not why we we have that faith, right? Exactly, yeah. And with that as well, like we see that there is blessings that come along with being part of God's covenant family, but that doesn't mean it's going to be free from hardships. That doesn't mean it's going to be free from thorns in your side, right? Even as Paul had during his life, he had a thorn in the side which he requested of God three times to be removed because God said his grace is sufficient for you. Well, we see here now, even though God has come to Isaac and given him these great promises and have blessed him and been with him. There's been hardships from external sources. We see that it becomes a greater thorn in his side from in his own ranks. And that's what we get here in the last two verses of chapter 26. Yeah, and this really sets up what we'll see in, in chapter 27, right? Um, this tension that we've already been introduced to in, in 25 between the sons of Isaac, Esau, and Jacob. And it, it just finishes off here in verse 26. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. And yeah. Now what we have seen is family members set at odd with e- uh, odds with each other. Yeah. Reminiscent of what we saw in Genesis 4. Reminiscent of, again, what God keeps doing, Ishmael and Isaac. <laughs> he's, he's, he's separating the true godly line um, through faith from the physical descendants who are not the the covenant heirs of that promise yeah exactly and and what we're seeing here really in this is that esau truly does forsake his birthright he has no regard for it at all because he's willing to marry those whom are foreigners those to whom they are not to intermingle with yes not just with one wife but two wives so we see that he is going beyond god's good command which was shown through Adam and Eve at the beginning of Genesis, right? A fa- or a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. It's a single wife. And we see Esau going outside of God's good command here, truly forsaking that the way of God and setting up his own way. And that is always the case of sinful man who has no regard for God. Yeah. And, and as, as you said, there is now this divide even amongst brothers once again, and that goes really to show and testify to that when you get to the New Testament, but what Christ said, right? He said, I came to set members at hel- of their own household against one another, son against a father, father against a son, you know, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. So there's going to be few, uh, there's going to be tension within an own, within your own family of those who are truly part of God's covenant family and those who are not. And this is another instance of that showing that it's not the physical descendants of Abraham that make them heirs of the promise. It's the ones who are truly the heirs of promise by faith, Yeah, which is what we looked at when we went through Galatians, when we went through Romans, mm-hmm. when we went through Hebrews, right? We've yeah. gone through all these books to yeah, show these us. These arguments aren't new that the, the, the no. writers of the epistles are, are bringing up. Especially when we're going back into Genesis and we're seeing... No, they're ancient as, yeah. as can, can be. <laughs> and yeah, what we see here, I mean, it's a great point. That Esau is you know really profaning his birthright. He yeah. has absolutely no regard for it. And by intermarrying with the Canaanites, he vexes his parents... And he effects, uh, effectively seals himself off from the sacred inheritance. Because what have we seen when intermarriage between the intermingling between 
the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent happens. Well, no. God curses. Yeah, he floods the earth. Yeah, he, you know, <laughs> in Noah, yeah, he just he, he literally destroys the earth. Yeah, for that, he his curse comes on those who would intermingle in this way. There's that seed principle, that harem principle. That um, it's it's important that until the, I mean, there's a pure purity of the godly line, but also. Um, a keeping a defense of that seed of the woman who is yeah. going to be coming coming to pass in history. So it's important for us to understand that. And this is just another way to show uh, how profane Esau is in disregarding that covenant that he's taking ungodly pagan uh, wives, foreign wives that are explicitly, if you think of Isaac, that's exactly what Abraham didn't want for him. Yeah, and this is why we need to take the warning that is given from this passage as well, that we not be like Esau, right? We talked about that in Hebrews, where Esau lived in this way, who forsook his birthright. Well, we've now received the promises of God. Are we going to live in a way which shows that we are walking in obedience to that? Or are we going to walk in a way like Esau, which shows that we don't care about those promises of God, that we are f- totally okay and fine with living in ways that are unpleasing him, walking in idolatry and sexual immorality and lying, theft, greed, I- covetousness, right? There's a myriad of ways in which we can walk contrary to how God wants us to live. But the call for us now is if we see those sins in our life to repent of them, Mm-hmm. to confess that we've transgressed God's good ways and return to the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. Like think about Pilgrim's Progress, right? Christian, countless times, specifically one time where he goes on the, that goes through the meadow and he ends up at Castle Despair, right? Mm-hmm. He started just looking for a more comfy road to walk on just for a brief season. Mm-hmm. because the road was rough and hard on his feet. And he looked over the fence and said, it goes the same way. You know, it's 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 just a little bit off the road, but it looks like it's going in the same way. And that one degree off the path, given over a course of time, ends up in castle despair, mm-hmm. right? So, or doubting castle, I should say. So we see in that it only takes a small little bit of a deviation from the way of God to end up in a terrible place. But when we find that we're there, we have to go back just as Christian did. He went right back to the point where he hopped over the fence. Mm-hmm. And then he put up a sign and a warning. Mm-hmm. Do not go this way. It leads to the castle despair. Yeah, yeah. So it, for us in the same way, we need to do the same things. And it's it's so important that you mention that because that's that's what really distinguishes the godly line from the ungodly line. Not that, I mean, we've seen over and over again in Genesis that these patriarchs of the faith... Um, that God holds up, you know, in Hebrews 11, right? We see, you know, these are testimony of the promises of God through history. Um, It's not as that they don't fail and they don't fall. We'll see that clearly. We've already seen it in in the actions between Isaac and Rebekah and the deceit of Abimelech. But we we see it, we'll see it next week in, in the account of Isaac blessing Jacob and that whole crazy situation. Yeah. It's not as though they don't fail and they don't fall. They do. But when they do, they correct course according to the word of God. But like Esau, when he fails and falls, his heart's hardened, right? He gives up his birthright for a bowl of stew. And instead of repenting of that action and turning to God and crying out for his mercy, he continues in his hardened ways and he shows further disregard for the covenant, um, for the promises of God, for his inheritance, mm-hmm. um, for his family. Yeah. Um, and, and that's so much of the way that sinful man works. You think of the LGBTQ community, instead of ha- knowing that God calls their lifestyle and their actions sin, that doesn't lead them to repentance but it leads them to justify and um, 
diminish the sinfulness of those actions. So whereas God is showing them mercy and showing them their sin so that they might repent and turn and put their faith and trust in him, they remain steadfast in that sin. And it's not only homosexuality. It's that is the natural bent of man that we justify our own actions and we point the finger at God as being an unmerciful God who's some sort of crazy dictator who has made us, you know, who's almost the fount of sin. But, you know, that's the responsible way that we should move forward, not justifying our sins, but turning from them, repenting, metanoia, literally change of direction, right? That's the idea that's presented in scripture. And, And not just that, but we, we have to stop allowing those who live in those sins to cloak themselves in the clothing of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Who still take the name of Christian to themselves. We know there's countless people who say, well, I'm a gay Christian. Nope. That's not a reality. We know you can't attach to Christ any sin. Mm -hmm. He paid for sin at the cross. So that would no longer be the identification upon us. Mm -hmm. We are now clothed in his righteousness. We have a new identity. We're not to live in those old ways. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were sanctified Mm -hmm. by the word of God. So in this same way, we cannot say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm also a drunkard. Mm-hmm. No, that's antithetical. I'm a, I'm a drunk Christian. Yeah, yeah I'm a drunk no, Christian. Yeah, it's, I'm an, an adultering Christian, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. there is no, like, unity with Christ. That is where we find our identity. So we don't hyphenate that. <laughs> you you're, you're a Christian, You're a Christian period. because you're united to Christ. And that's the chief um, aspect of our identity. Yeah. Um, and if we're finding the tendency to... Um, to hyphenate those uh, that, you know, it's, it's, it's a dangerous <laughs> way to go. Um, yes. Yeah. Anyways, there's so many principles just in, in this, in this text that you can, that you can get from it. And we see it like father, like son, <laughs> which is interesting because, you know, this recurring pattern then shows us the principle that God is faithful yeah. to provide for his people, his covenant people, in difficult circumstances, in all sorts of circumstances, um, and in similar circumstances to what the Israelites would be experiencing during the Exodus. So there's a lot of pastoral elements to yeah. to even just reading and meditating upon the text that's uh, delivered for us. And it's a great reminder. So good that God really puts in these parallel accounts to reiterate the fact that he is with them, that he's their God, that he'll provide for them no matter the situation. And that's what we can take from it as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah, we praise God for his continued providence and faithfulness and mercy to us. Even though we're sinners, he is a great and gracious God. Nick, before we wrap up the episode, perhaps you can let our listeners know once again how they can win some sweet giveaway, uh, a sweet mystery giveaway that is I can guarantee right now going to blow people's minds when they get it. So don't sleep on getting an entry, but tell them how they can get an entry in to win that wonderful resource pack giveaway. That's right. We are giving away a mystery gift for the month of May. All you have to do to be entered in to win is head over to Instagram or Facebook, like the Friday giveaway post or the giveaway post because it only comes out once a month. So be sure to like that and then comment on it with the word Mysterion and that'll get you a single entry into win. Do that often, share it with others, share all of our content with others. Don't just like it, share it with others because the more you share the content with others, the more our podcast and all that we do here will be able to get to more people so that they might also be benefit from all that we're doing here. And Again, as we like to do, we want to get in touch with you. We've actually received some prayer requests through Instagram as well because of some stuff going on in people's lives, which is super beneficial. So Yeah, that's awesome. So do that as well. We want to hear from you. We want to pray for you. We want to know how we can encourage you. So reach out to us. You can send us a message on Instagram or Facebook or send us an email as well, the great exchange podcast at gmail.com. 
all those avenues. We'll get in touch with you. We'll talk with you. We're, we're really wanting to get in touch with you guys because we want this to be truly a great exchange, not yeah. just of the ideas that we're talking about here from scripture, but also with you, our listeners, because, hey, we're normal people too. Mm-hmm. We're sinners. We're yeah. saved by grace. We want to encourage you just as we need encouragement. At the end of the day, this podcast is actually probably more beneficial for us than it is for you. <laughs> yeah, it's therapeutic for yeah. sure. And it gets um, us into the scripture week after week as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. And yeah, that's ultimately why we're doing this and why we've always wanted to do it, to to have these conversations with brothers and sisters in the Lord and be able to learn from one another and discuss these things with one another. And we really appreciate you all for tuning in and, uh, and, and coming down this journey with us and, and discussing these things with us. Uh, we hope you found this episode edifying, and as we say at the end of every episode, Nick, it is finished.